Welcome to the Yoga Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Saraswati Clare, an award-winning documentary filmmaker and owner of Yoga Kula from the San Francisco Bay Area. Join us to hear from the world's leading experts on yoga, teachers, doctors, scientists, and scholars. To study more deeply with these inspiring teachers, check out the courses on our website, In this new era, where we have the opportunity to envision and create a new world, the practices of yoga help us to live more consciously so that we can create a better inner and outer world. To help others find us, please leave your comments on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. In today's episode, we'll hear from Dr. Timothy McCall, a medical doctor, yoga therapist, and author of several books, including Yoga's Medicine and Saving My Neck, A Doctor's East-West Journey Through Cancer. Dr. McCall has traveled extensively, studying with many of the world's leading yoga teachers and yoga therapists, including BKS Iyengar and TKV Desikachar. He has practiced yoga and meditation from various traditions for over 20 years. Dr. McCall is the medical editor of Yoga Journal. He has lectured at the National Institutes of Health and Medical Schools and given numerous workshops and keynote addresses at conferences sponsored by Yoga Journal and the International Association of Yoga Therapists. Today we talk to Dr. McCall about yoga as medicine, as well as his own recent road to recovery. Hi, welcome, Timothy. This is Saraswati. Thank you for joining us. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Wonderful. I'd love to, if you could share with us too, you know, what research has told us about um, the healing um, benefits of not just the asana practice, but also the other practices of meditation and sort of the less talked about perhaps practices of pranayama and um you know, visualization and those other um, exercises, practices um, within the yoga spectrum? Yeah. Um, Well, there's certainly most of the research that's done is of uh, asana, and and then sometimes there's a little bit of uh, within the yoga world. Now, there's a whole other realm of research, for example, mindfulness-based stress reduction, which is primarily mindfulness meditation, but includes some hatha yoga as well as part of it. That's a whole research base, you know, kind of more Buddhist meditation or secularized forms of Buddhist meditation. There's been quite a lot of research on that, interesting stuff on uh, things like uh, you know, tamping down inflammation, changing gene expression, and of course, uh, the same things have been found for yoga. There, I would say there's been less work on pranayama. There's been some. Uh, most of it that I've seen has come out of India. And, and often, uh, so for example, the Art of Living, which has their own kind of proprietary system, they've done some studies of their system, just as Transcendental Meditation did studies of their system. 
And, and, and so, but I think what's happening is that there's just a, a growth in research in all things. And, and, and I, I tell you something as, and, and as much as a supporter of yoga research as I am, and as important as I believe research is in making the case for yoga, there's a way that all the yoga research that's done, in my opinion, underestimates yoga's value. And it's precisely what we were talking about earlier, because the really best yoga and yoga therapy is that that is tailored to the individual's needs. That's what the the great masters who I've observed, that's what they do. That's what the gurus back in the old days did. They had different, you know, shishas, different, you know, disciples, and for each of those disciples, they prescribed a different program, depending on that student's needs and, and, and aptitudes. And But what happens in studies is they're all one-size-fits-all. So these are the 12 asana we're going to try for low back pain, for example. And, and, you know, most of those studies show some benefit, but... They cut out, which from a yogic perspective may be the most important part of the therapy, which is the teacher really getting to know the student, observing the student's habit patterns, and then trying to give them a practice to allow them to repattern the habit patterns that don't serve them. You don't get that in one-size-fits-all approaches. So, yes, we're definitely seeing some, you know, there have been studies of chanting that shows that it helps the autonomic nervous system, helps to, you know, helps it to function better. And, of course, the autonomic nervous system controls the functioning of all the internal organs, all the systems in the body, like the immune system and the endocrine system, et cetera, are all controlled to some extent by the autonomic nervous system. And so our ability to improve its functioning is huge. And, and this is, of course, one of the things that yoga does so well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so um, but I still think that what we do is beyond what the research shows. So I'm happy to talk to you about the research, <laughs> but I don't want us to feel like the research is the be-all and end-all. Um, because really there's a lot of depth that comes from within the tradition that I hope increasingly will be uh, examined in, in, in future scientific studies. But that's a whole big topic. <laughs> yeah. Um, and well, also, uh, I know that you've been to visit the Ayurvedic centers in India and um, even, you know, gone through your own particular healing um, with right. the use of Ayurveda. I wonder if you could um, talk to us about Ayurveda, but also perhaps how it's a sister science with yoga and how together they can be very useful for a practitioner. Because I feel like, um, you know, less people really understand how Ayurveda, you know, what kind of healthcare program Ayurveda um, is. And I think as particularly, as you say, for the individual. Right. Yeah. So Ayurveda comes out of the same philosophical underpinning Sankhya philosophy that yoga does. Okay. So they both, they share that philosophical root. And, and so because of that, they kind of naturally work very well together. And, and 
in the yoga therapy work I do, I always bring an Ayurvedic perspective in. And the reason is that Ayurveda really helps you personalize the approach. It helps you see the individual more clearly and realize what types of things are likely to help them and what kind of things are, are unlikely to help them. And, and, you know, so what Ayurveda is, is essentially a system of phenotyping. Now, geno, the, our genotype is what our DNA dictates, okay? Mm-hmm. And what results, what observable characteristics, uh, everything from the size of your joints to the width of your nose, is your phenotype. It's, it's, what, it's what manifests. It's what we can observe. And so what Ayurveda is, is a system to divide people up into observable types. And they have, of course, these three types, vata, pitta, and kapha. And then, of course, everyone's got some mixture of all three. And, and what we talk about, the pure types, actually, they're the minority. And more people have you know, two that are more or less equal, and, and, and occasionally people have all three being relatively equal. But in any case, it's a system of observing people and, and predicting things. So, you know, the, the vata type would be the air type. These are people who tend to be thinner, bonier, in motion more, restless minds, creative, um, but when they get imbalanced, prone to anxiety, prone to degenerative conditions. Pitta, fire, intensity, uh, intelligence, passion, drive, when they get out of balance, inflammatory conditions, anger, hostility, that kind of thing. And then kappa, bigger boned, big, you know, bigger muscles, not the sharply defined muscles of pittas, mind you, but bigger, softer muscles, um, sweeter, more stable, uh, uh, more reliable, predictable on some level. And But when they get out of balance, they can be prone to getting stuck, to getting depressed, to getting uh, conditions that are marked by a lot of uh, buildup of water in the body, like phlegm or you know, swelling, edema in, in parts of the body. So those are the three major types. And you know what types of yoga serve people can very much be related to that. And, and, of course, we look not just at what someone's type is, but how they go out of balance. And in our modern world, with all the multitasking and all the high technology and all the uh, interruptions that come to our life, oral stimulation, visual stimulation, everything kind of simultaneously, that all tends to send vata out of whack and, and a lot of vata conditions like anxiety and constipation and insecurity and fear are, are really rampant in the modern world. And it's partly due to the just kind of vata deranging nature of modern society. And um, so if you go to see the Ayurvedic doctor to... Um, what are the kinds of prescriptions or what would you receive from maybe treatments that you've gone to? Yeah, well, one of the things 
I discovered because I ended up really exploring Ayurveda in Kerala, which is the state at the southwest tip of India, kind of semi-tropical area of India, you know, lovely area of lots of inland waterways and coconut palms and banana trees and all that kind of stuff. And it, according to some people, is a historical birthplace of Ayurveda, although some people in the north of India would dispute that. But in any case, what I discovered is that the Ayurveda there is quite different from the from the Ayurveda you read about in books mm. uh, that we are available to us in the West. So, for example, most of the books in the West talk about Panchakarma, which is this major detoxification treatment, and yet in Kerala. Uh, they treat all the same conditions, but they don't use panchakarma. They use other treatments. So, so just as there are different schools of yoga with have, that have very different approaches, same for Ayurveda. There are different kinds of Ayurveda. And, and, of course, because the treatments are personalized, the approach always depends – on the overall context of the individual. Mm. And that's always going to be different. But where I go, they use a lot of uh, strong massage techniques using medicated oils, oils in which various herbs and other medicines have been infused. And, and they use a variety of other kind of body work techniques uh, along with herbs and, and other things. Uh, and... Uh, you know, I've, I found it to be an amazing, uh, you know, very therapeutic. Like yoga, though, it's slow medicine. Mm. It, 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 I have now been going for about more than a dozen years to India for Ayurvedic treatments, and I, I stay, you know, sometimes for two, three months. And... What's happened is that the effects over time have just deepened and deepened and deepened. Mm. I, had a, I had a pretty traumatic start in my life, and I had a very kind of twitchy nervous system. Uh, you know, if, I, if, I, if a sound went off, I'd feel this like strong contraction in my abdomen. It's completely involuntary. Mm. Just, just stuff easily set my nervous system off. I used to have a lot of insomnia as a young man. I mean, yoga mostly helped with that. But what happened was as I got more and more into Ayurveda and then, of course, brought the oils home, started doing the massages on myself at home, trying to make my diet more in line with Ayurvedic principles, etc., I found that my nervous system just started to get calmer and calmer mm. and calmer. And that twitchiness has mostly now gone away. I sleep more deeply. My voice is deeper than it used to be. I feel more grounded to the earth. And there's definitely been a synergy between my yoga practice and Ayurveda. This, this again, these two really go together. And, and you know, I, I would say this. Ayurveda is an ocean that is at least as big as the ocean of yoga. Mm -hmm. And it can be intimidating to people. You start to read it and your eyes can kind of glaze over. But if you can just grok some of the basic principles, it can help you understand yourself better.
and help you understand how to tailor your own yoga practice to serve you better and to serve you when you get out of balance better. It's such a great point, too, you're making because you think, you know, when we we don't do a lot of self-examination, you know, here in the West where we, we, you know, we can just go, oh, I have something, I go to the doctor, I get some, you know, magic pill. <laughs> Whereas right. I, I love what you're talking about, too, is this self-examination of understanding, you know, is it to do with the diet? Is it to do with how I'm breathing? Um, you know, right. what, what are ways that I could get more grounded? So there's this um, really getting to know the all the parts of ourselves, like the, the way the mind works, the, you know, the subtler, um, you know, yeah. levels within the body. And, and I think this is really what the spiritual path in yoga is all about. You know, um, of course, we I think most of us have heard this word svadhyaya, which sometimes gets translated as self-study. And I think what this is really about is looking at our own habit patterns, Mm. our own sanskaras, and, and trying to figure out whether the habit patterns we have serve us for where we want to go in our life. Mm. And, And because a lot of times we do things that feel very comfortable. It can feel like it's our inner wisdom that is speaking to us when actually what's speaking to us is our ingrained habits, Mm. some of which started for us when we were babies and toddlers and we modeled the behaviors and posture and attitudes of the people around us. And we may, you know, 50 years later or 30 years later or 70 years later think that these habit patterns are who we are, Mm. but they're really just habit patterns that maybe serve us, maybe don't serve us, or maybe used to serve us, but no longer serve us. And I think part of this process of of really doing your self-examination in yoga is to see these patterns and own the ones that don't serve us and try to figure out how we repattern something that will serve us. And that's really what our yoga practice can do. And, you know, we talk a whole lot about the physiological benefits of meditation Mm -hmm. and yoga calms the sympathetic nervous system and blah, 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 all this stuff that yoga does. But on some level, I think what happens is that yoga helps us get quiet Mm-hmm. and helps things from our subconscious bubble to the surface so that we can gain a deeper understanding of who we are and what motivates us, including things from our shadow side, mm-hmm. things that we may not be proud of, things that we may be ashamed of, but that we have to own and see clearly if we're going to transcend them. Mm-hmm. I um, wonder if you could, you know, talk about um, your recent uh, recovery, um, you know, from the cancer in your throat, just to, um, you know, such a horrible thing for you have to have gone through. But I was really moved by your reaching out to the different practices that you had. So, 
you know, yes, you are a doctor, but you were able to really, um, you know, it was encouraging to go, oh, yeah, it, you know, when you're in feeling in, in that much discomfort and pain, you got to try one thing and well that wasn't quite like right so you you tried the next thing you knew and so you were really able to be your own healthcare system and yes you went <laughs> you know you went through the uh different um uh you know western medicine treatments that you had to go through and yet um you were able to really you know nurture yourself and soothe yourself through very very uncomfortable um recovery time so if you could share with us just a little bit about the choices that you made in dealing with the emotional upset and also the pain you know the different discomforts that you dealt with sure um well i so i had um cancer in my uh, left tonsil which spread metastasized to three lymph nodes in the right side of my neck. Uh, and I, and I got diagnosed with this, uh, toward the end of 2016. And, um, as it turned out, um, this, so I, I got diagnosed actually right before Thanksgiving, 2016. And I was living at that time in the Hudson River Valley of upstate New York, and I decided that I wasn't going to stay there to get treated. I had, I had moved there fairly recently, and I didn't have a great social network there. Uh, and um, I also wanted to go to uh, a, a place where I, could, I felt like I could get better medical care. And, and, and so I ended up deciding to go to a medical center uh, in the southeast of the United States, uh, and, and I'm intentionally being vague here because you know I I think you know I have this book I've just written called yes. Saving My Neck, uh, Doctor's East West Journey Through Cancer, and I decided to change the names of all the doctors and not list the medical center. So I'm intentionally being a little vague mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. that, but but basically I went to a top flight. Uh, conventional medical place where I could get really kind of first, you know, world-class care, but they were hopelessly behind the times in, in, as far as integrative medicine Mm. goes. And so basically I saw my mission as to try to bring a holistic perspective to the conventional care that I was getting. And, and so now one of the things that I realized was that because my health insurance was in New York and I was going to go to another state and I, and I wasn't going to be able to change it to the first of the year, I suddenly had, had a free month. So what I did was on a few days notice, I hopped on a plane, went to India and got a month of Ayurvedic treatments just to balance me. You know, mm-hmm. no, I, no thought that this was going to cure the cancer. Mm-hmm. Just the idea that this was going to balance me and put me in a good place to undergo the heavy-duty stuff I was about to have to go through, uh, basically chemotherapy and radiation. And, and oral radiation you know, to the mouth and neck is a major drag because you're, you, know, you're, mm. you, can, you can't eat anything and everything burns your mouth and you're in a lot of pain and blah, blah, blah. So, so, but I did all kinds of cool stuff. I fasted uh, during my chemotherapy, and I and I was taking the most nauseating chemotherapy agent known to man, mm. and I didn't get any nausea and vomiting because I fasted. Wow! 
And, and, you know, so I, and, and I, you know, I just did a whole bunch of stuff and, and, and that's basically why I wrote the book because, mm-hmm. you know, when I went through the treatments, by the way, I had no <clears throat> notion that I was going to write about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but when I got to the end, I realized, God, I, I learned so much and I did so much cool stuff and it mm-hmm. made such a big difference. I kind of have to write about this. And that's kind of what led me to, 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 to do the book. Yeah. So, so, <clears throat> you know. And, and basically, you know, I've been walking this path of yoga for a lot of years now. And so on some level, yeah, psychological stuff came up and I dealt with it along the way. And I continued to grow and I continued to use my yoga practice to help me. I mean, there were times uh, during the treatment where just standing up and lifting my arms over my head felt like more than I could do. Mm. You know, it just felt really, so I had had to modify my practice constantly through the thing. And mm-hmm. I ended up doing, if you know the uh, the uh, prone twist, Bharadvajasana, where yeah. you twist over a bolster, yes. that became like my go-to pose mm-hmm. because, because it was restorative, it didn't take any effort, and one of the major side effects of of the radiation on your on your neck and and mouth is that it tightens up all the tissues of the mouth and so I wanted to maintain my range of motion in my neck and and so I I would do that pose and turn my head in the same direction as my knees which meant my rib cage is going one way and my head and neck are going the other which gives like this lovely stretch to the neck mm. so I started doing that you know, a few times a day and holding it for a long time because for a while that was, I couldn't do much, that much more than that. Um, you know, when I was getting better, I, I started to do uh, a lot of pranayama and uh, I started doing very slow alternate nostril breathing, lowering my respiratory rate to less than one breath per minute, which which had a huge effect on my nervous system and in calming the, the imbalance of vata, which I've had pretty much my whole life, and 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 so yeah, you know, I did I did a lot of cool stuff. I did qigong visualizations. Mm-hmm. I I I you know I I mm-hmm. did I continued the devotional practices. I do did 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 many many things, and uh, you know uh, I just wrote a whole book about it. So I'll, I I won't tell you it all now. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 basically, yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah. So, and, and you know what, it made a huge difference. And, you know, the beautiful thing, uh, about fasting in particular, which is very cool, Mm. not only does it reduce the side effects of chemotherapy and radiation therapy, there's evidence that it also makes them more effective. So it's, it's kind of Mm. a twofer. That's Mm. pretty, you know, pretty cool. Mm. So, yeah. Wow. Wow, that's wonderful. And what a great service it will be for people to uh, read your book. And I'm sure, um, you know, you'll get to speak to many, many um, people around the world who are in the same boat, but also um, people who work in the health, um, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and you system. know, it's, it's, and it's really, you know, even though it's my story of how I dealt with my cancer, mm. kind of my idea was I wanted to show people how someone who's really kind of a holist 
to his core, mm. goes about figuring <laughs> out how to do it and yeah. what to do. So I kind of tell the story of like, oh, and then I discovered this research, and then it suggested I should do acupuncture for this, and so then I knew that, and then I and I just like it was this kind of constantly evolving puzzle mm-hmm. where at every point I was having to make decisions mm. based on whatever amount of information I was able to amass at that time and 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 move forward and 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 so you know I'm not trying to say to anybody you should do it the way I did it mm. I just want to People understand what holism truly is. And by the way, yeah. holism is a terribly misunderstood word. Mm. It doesn't mean natural or integrative or complementary and alternative. Mm-hmm. It means body, mind, spirit, environment, everything. Mm. We try to we try to change or influence a disease process by trying to balance and detoxify and strengthen the person as best we can. So it's like an organic gardener Mm -hmm. doesn't pour chemicals on the plants. The organic gardener works to make the soil stronger. And so I was trying to make the soil of my body stronger to withstand the treatments I went through and to be better able to fight the cancer. You know, so I I think my kind of hidden agenda in writing the book Mm -hmm. was because on one level, it's a memoir about my experience. But what it really is, is a meditation on what holistic healing is and how we go about making that happen in our own lives and how we can cut through the BS that people tell you to try to dissuade you from doing harmless things that might well help you. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, like, like, like people say, well, there's no evidence that works. Who cares? Mm-hmm. If, it, if it's safe and it makes you feel better. So you know what? There is no evidence that yoga helps the type of cancer I had. Because mm-hmm. no one's ever studied it. Right. Okay. So am I, am I supposed to not do something yeah. that I can tell is helping me because yeah. there's no evidence? Mm. Like, is that really the standard we're going to have? Does that really make sense? So um, tell us when your book is going to be coming out and the, the name of your book is? Okay. So the new book is called Saving My Neck, A Doctor's East-West Journey uh, Through Cancer. And it, the, the Kindle version, it actually just came out mm. uh, January 1st, 2019. Mm. And, uh, uh, and the uh, hardcover, there's going to be a full cover, full color hardcover coming out May 2nd. Mm. I was planning on having uh, the hardcover come out in January. But uh, there's a little bit of a backlog of the printers, and I'm about to head off for three months of teaching in Australia and New Zealand, and then going back to India. Mm. So I, um, I uh, it was it was going to arrive after I uh, left, so that wasn't going to work. So we delayed it till May second. So May second will be the hardcover, 
in the meantime, uh, unfortunately, only the ebook. Okay. Well, we'll definitely um, put the links on on the program here, and um, we'll let people know when when the hardback copy comes out as well. Well, thank you Beautiful. for taking the time to to uh, speak with us today. It's just so wonderful to be in discussion, and I think it's so vital what we're talking about. In some ways, it feels like we're so backward, <laughs> you know, in this country. <laughs> Um, with knowing what we know from all these, you know, healing holistic systems and that they're, they're not easily accessible, just just doesn't seem right. But um. No, no, I, I, <laughs> I agree. Well, it's, it's been a real pleasure for me as well, and thanks for having me. And, yeah. uh, um, Wonderful. Take good yeah. care. You too. Thanks so much for joining us. Please leave us a review so that others can find us.